I wish that I was starting in 2021 instead of 2007. The internet has made it so much easier to go from zero to 60 so fast. Like the people that we talk to that are like, yeah, I'm only charging 4,000 for my wedding films and I want to get up over five or six, you know? And I'm like, well, how long have you been doing it? And they're like, well, like a year and a half. And I'm like, I didn't charge over $3,000 until like my ninth year yeah. in doing this. And then I was like, oh, She's, she's going to think that I'm kind of a fraud here because I'm preaching these things and saying these things on our podcast and that's not her experience. We want to make great films so that people see, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to this stuff. But it's also keeping me in check for how I'm running my business and how I'm doing the things that I'm doing because I know that other people are like looking at us and, and, and watching. I'm going to get right in my bed. Yeah. Why you going to try to get mad? Yeah. Everybody want to keep up. Uh. Don't you know I'm going too fast? Hey guys, welcome to the Wedding Film School Show. I am without Jared today. It's just me, but luckily I have two more, um, we'll say part-time co-hosts. They're not that experienced. They're, they're, they're new to the game, and let's be honest, um, they got a lot to learn, but they're here to learn from how to do a podcast. Um, so we got John and Nick from How to Film Weddings, <laughs> which is a podcast. If you haven't checked it out, it's a great podcast for wedding filmmakers. What's up, guys? Hey, hey, how's it going? Thanks hey. for having us on. Yeah, thanks for yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for filling in for Jared. Yeah, it's a, some big shoes to fill. He's a big dude. Yeah, you slacker out there, just, <laughs> just out there doing nothing. You, you know what's funny? Jared shot a couple weeks ago. He shot four days in a row. Can you imagine oh shooting four days in a row? No, um, I'm too old for that. If John's too old, I definitely am too old. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm getting there. I I I think this year I feel I'm finally feeling my age. Like yep. I'm if finally like out there, and I'm like bend your knees, and you're like, oh, old man knees. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, you guys, um, thanks for coming on the show today. Um, if you haven't mm. checked out how to film weddings. They got a lot of stuff going on. They got podcasts, YouTube channel, very active Facebook group, a lot of stuff for you to connect with. And, and, and why don't you kind of give people a summary really quick. Tell everybody, if you haven't checked it out, tell them about how to film weddings. Nick, it's, we, we never know. This is the thing that Nick and I do on our podcast. It's like you, me, me, you go ahead, Nick, tell them a little bit. I'll fill in the gaps. Okay. okay. Uh, how to film weddings, uh, is a, um, you know, wedding education, uh, filmmaking channel. Um, you know, we have a podcast, we have YouTube, you know, we have courses and mastermind, you know, we have a lot of stuff going on, but the, uh, whenever John and I started this in 2018, is that what it mm -hmm. was? 2018, yep. the whole, the whole purpose of it, the goal of it is we really wanted to elevate the wedding film industry. Um, you know, for so long it's, it's, you know, been seen that the wedding film is, you know, the, last add-on it's the thing that people do if they have money and so we wanted to help educate filmmakers to present themselves in the best light so that they could know how to sell so they could know how to run their business so that they could know their numbers and you know be in this for a long term thing you know i've been doing it since 2013 john's been doing it since 2007 seven. So, uh, you know, there is longevity in it if you kind of know how to do it and how to do these things. And so that, that was our big goal in starting how to film weddings is to elevate the industry. Yeah. And the only little things I'd add on is like Nick and I met at a, a wedding. I knew he was a few hours away. 
uh, he's in Wichita. I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so I had a wedding I was shooting. I had him come along. We started talking shop, became friends. In October of 18, we were like, we're going to do this thing. We put out a podcast and we did not know what it would do to change our lives, but it has grown to an incredible brand. And like, we're speaking all over the country. We're going places, especially before COVID. And like, you know, we've released our courses and done different things. And it's just been like this incredible life-changing thing. And we get messages every day and from people saying, oh my goodness, I made $40,000 this month. I think that was the last message that we got. Okay, was like, we don't, we don't get messages month. like that every okay, single okay. day. The but last message we got we was that. Yes. One that said that. Yes. But people are saying, you're changing our lives. Messages. You're helping you us get be encouraging better. Encouraging messages. Yeah. Thanks, Definitely. Jason. Definitely. Yes. So it's been this incredible whirlwind of three years. It's like, how did it go so fast? And um, we're just at the very beginning. We've got a lot of exciting things that we're doing and a lot of exciting things coming up. Hey, guys, so we're going to do three questions. It's our awesome game that we play on the Wedding Film School show um, before we get into the meat and the potatoes of the interview. So the first question we always ask is, what is in your kit? We have one C70 and then a few C100s, uh, you know, 3550, 70 to 200s. We have two 70 200s. We use practical lights for our lighting, um, pretty typical audio equipment with TAS cams. And then I have a Zoom, what is it, the, the F6. F6. Yeah, the F6 is our main recorder. And then, you know, kind of normal stabilizing stuff, tripods, Ronin-S, monopod, that sort of stuff. Mine is almost the same, except for I have not spent the money on the lights. I use torch LEDs. I have the C70. My main, uh, mm-hmm. my main go-to lens for the day, though, is the 50mm 1.2 Canon L series. I love that thing, and I uh, I use my gimbal a little differently than than Nick. I have it on and kind of in the room everywhere, um, and I have a 16 to 35 on that on a C100 Mark II. So my main camera now is the C70. I've actually officially filmed my very first 4K wedding this year, <laughs> which is crazy that I hadn't done that. And I'd been charging ten, twelve thousand dollars for 1080 wedding films. But yeah, that my kit's very similar with 70 to 200s, a 135, 50, 24 to 70. I have pretty much all the lenses, but I mainly am on my 50 or a 16 to 35 um, during the day, 70 to 200 for some portrait stuff. And yeah, that's that's pretty pretty much the same as Nick outside of that. So the next question that we're gonna ask you guys is tell us about a film that you would say represents what you make, what your art is like um, now. Um, I just got back um, my film from a wedding I did in Charleston. Uh, filmed it at the end of April, early May. And I mean, I, I was there for three days. They actually rented a yacht because I suggested they do it. We went out on a boat for a sunset one one night. We did walking through Charleston. Um, one day we did the rehearsal dinner. The couple was full of, like the groom gave this unexpected speech at the rehearsal dinner where he like cried right in his bride's face. It was so good. It was so emotional. It was full of like fast cuts and energy and beautiful backlit, like everything. So that to me was like my ideal client mixed with the ideal location like with my ideal camera set up, just all rolled into one. And like the response to that film has been insane. Lots of new inquiries all around the place because of that film. Yeah. Um, there, there's several that immediately pop into my mind. Um, I just got back from a trip to Cabo. That film was, is 
I poured my heart into that one, putting that one together. But one that I would say, if I could um, say is a really good representation of what our brand is or what we want it to be is uh, literally three days, no, a week before the world shut down last March, um, I did a wedding for a photographer friend here in town and it ended up being like this micro wedding where the only people that were there were their immediate family. And um, the, the bride said, um, hey, we want something that feels way more like a home video, way more handheld kind of thing. And so, you know, we went there, we used a different camera body to film all the handheld stuff. So it would actually have a little bit different look and feel and stuff to it. Um, so that's, that's one that I'm like, this this is I think the the best representation of what I would like our brand to look like, you know, moving forward. Um, why don't you tell us just give, how do people find your wedding filmmaking work? Um, for me, the best place is either going to be on Instagram at Wild Oak Films or YouTube slash Wild Oak Films. And mine would be Instagram at Redeemed Productions, and same thing for the YouTubes. Uh, and finally, tell everybody about this workshop you're going to be putting on um, in, when is, it, sorry, when is it happening again? August 4th and 5th. I will tell you all the details. Yes, they, they are so good. Nick and I have been drumming this up for a while. Um, we are hosting, and we announced it last week, but we're hosting Calibrate Workshop. It's two days, August 4th and 5th. We have 15 speakers um, over a two-day period of time. It's all virtual. You'll have access to it for 24 hours after some in case speakers? You're time zone. Tell us. Oh, my goodness. All right, we got the film poets. I'll just run through them real quick, Nick. Is that okay? Got yes, the film please. poets, Jay and Mac, Eric Floberg, White and Reverie. Have you ever heard of them? Uh, Blink Films, KEJ, Hello Tomorrow, uh, Forestry Films, Film by Stanton, um, Films by Madeline. We have Taylor Petrinovich with Level Up Your Your Wedding Film Business Podcast. Blake, the editor, our editor's talking. Larev Films is doing a special Q&A. Ryan Coral with Tell Studios. And then also we have Sam Jacobson who has helped a ton with like bookings and things like that so he's good a well-rounded everything when it comes to color grading how to edit how to be inspired all wrapped up each of these speakers are going to talk for an hour they're going to have q a after they talk so it's going to be interactive you're going to have a, a facebook group where you can interact and chat with each other there. just trying to connect people help them calibrate after a crazy year year and a half Nick has been putting together the coolest branding and stuff too. I mean, I'm sure you guys will, will uh, post some of these graphics and stuff, but it's going to be like just a next level production. It's going to be awesome. Nick, you, what else do you have to add? Are you guys going to send us uh, lunch to our houses, like box lunches, so we can all have lunch? Yes. Cool. Yes, the coffee will be delivered uh, depending on your time zone. Yes, Very with cool. that and a nice box lunch with a pickle. Yeah, one, one thing I want to add in there, if you're interested in looking up more information, you know, finish this podcast first, but then head over to calibrateworkshop.com. And uh, we have done something with our friends over here at Wedding Film School. So if you type in the promo WFS25, WFS25, you will get $25 off of your ticket um, for, uh, for Calibrate. So that's calibrateworkshop.com, WFS25. So for you guys, obviously you're still wedding filmmakers, um, which I, I, I respect because I kind of hate it when someone like starts educating people and they don't even do it anymore. Um, even though I think on some level that, that's going to be what happens to all of us as our bodies 
decay and fade. <laughs> but <laughs> but I do think it's cool that you guys are still making wedding films. You're still in the game. So as wedding filmmakers, um, you know, you guys have probably seen how has doing the um, podcast and kind of growing that growing your platform in that area affected the films that you've been making? So that's a, that's a really interesting question. I, I wouldn't say that there is for me like more pressure to create something that people will like look up to or whatever. Um, but there kind of is a little bit, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, we want to, to show that John and I are still actively working in the, um, you know, wedding film community, you know, um, it's, it's something that we, we want to, we believe that if we are going to teach on this and educate on this, that we need to be in it and involved in it. Um, and so, uh, but with that, if, if we're, you know, um, maybe, where I'm going with this is I start talking and then I figure out where I'm going. Uh, you know, we, podcast we both, special. that's a podcast. Right. Special. Exactly. We, we both really want to, um, show like practice what we're preaching. Um, you know, one of the things that we talk about is especially with inquiries and, you know, this kind of stuff. And there was a time when we were just, you know, so, so busy, um, earlier this year. And we actually got an inquiry from a, a couple that was getting married that, had listened to our podcast. They were, she was a filmmaker. He was in the industry somehow, but not a filmmaker. And, you know, they inquired and we're like, you know, I, in a perfect world, someone inquires with me. I respond to them within an hour. You know, I hopefully have a phone call with him that afternoon and all this stuff. And after it all said and done, it was like four days later before I was able to get back to her because I was busy and I saw it and I kind of forgot about it and, you know, all this other stuff. And then I was like, Oh, She's she's going to think that I'm kind of a fraud here because I'm preaching these things and saying these things on our podcast and that's not her experience. And so while I want my my films and my work to be, you know, next level for for my couples and that's still from a um film standpoint, you know, it's we we want to, you know, serve our clients really well, but we want to make great films so that people see, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to this stuff. But it's also keeping me in check for how I'm running my business and how I'm doing the things that I'm doing because I know that other people are like looking at us and and, and watching us. So I'm the exact opposite and I realized this. So when Nick and I started the How to Film Weddings brand, like I really needed help. We with didn't my start shooting. the How to Film Weddings. Yes we you, I thought you, guys, you said you guys... I had a Freudian, I had a Freudian something, and I really thought you said wedding film school, <laughs> even though almost you said, said how to film weddings. <laughs> okay, I mean, so you can talk now. When when we started it though, I needed major help with my shooting and editing. Nick needed major help with his business, and so like to me, I'm not concerned at all about people wondering if I'm a fraud with my business. I am like, I have the anxiety and the fear about like people seeing my work and being like, how is that guy running a podcast? His work's not. So it's, I've had to completely up my game when it comes to shooting and editing. And I think that's how Nick feels about running the business. And that's why our podcast is, has done so well is like, I feel like I really have a lot, you know, and was really focused on growing a really solid business. And Nick was so good about the shooting and the editing. And so together we've helped each other grow alongside thousands upon thousands of other filmmakers all at the same time because I have genuine questions like 
Nick, how did you get that color? What did we do that? Like, show me how to do that. And Nick is like, Hey, I'm sorry. Like I don't have money in my bank right now. And I need to understand, like there's been vulnerable, real conversations, especially Mm -hmm. early on where it's like, Hey Nick, uh, I'm still shooting on auto white balance. Don't tell anybody, you know, or don't do that. that. I I don't anymore, luckily, but now my films, I feel like the most recent ones that I've produced are finally like what I've been envisioning for so long, but it took educating myself and making myself vulnerable. And that's what we preach all the time on our podcast to do that. There's a way that wedding filmmaking is some of the most pure art because it requires like um, very little structure to do properly or to do effectively, like to, to get like somewhere. Like you can get 60, 80% there, not really knowing what you're doing in a lot of areas. Like you, as long as you know what you're doing in like a couple of the areas, you can probably sneak your way like, oh, I'm using auto white balance or I don't know how to do, it's like, I think really what we're ultimately talking about is educators and, and you know, when we're looking at our own businesses as creatives, but also as business people is, um, we do film critiques every week and oftentimes they're good. People submit a film and I'm like, this is a good film. And so I'm not going to tell you how to make it acceptable or saleable. It is saleable. It is acceptable. The couple will love it. Really ultimately what wedding at film education, of course there's that entry level stuff, but a lot of it is next level. How do you next level yourself? How do you, how do you create um, something that's more profitable, that's more sustainable, that's easier to run, less stressful. And so I, I love, I love that. I love what you guys are saying there. And it's interesting cause I can totally, um, uh, I can totally see in your own journey, knowing you guys a little bit, like how that would affect you guys in terms of like, you know, knowing how you feel when you're like, I just shoot on this, the, what is the C100, like for a long time, it's like, I can see how like when everybody's like, what's the best camera profile for the a seven S three. You're like, meh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I still have no idea what it is. <laughs> yeah. The best one is probably Cinetone. That's probably the best one based on when I see <laughs> what's up with Sony shooters, by the way, and asking about camera profiles every single week. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall into that trap. Sony's great. If you like Sony, it's a great camera, but Canon is better. Oh, I wish it was better. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm a Canon guy, but at the core, like I'm starting to just come into the acceptance that I should buy that camera. But anyway, Mm. um, moving, moving on. I, I, I think like one of the cool things about becoming more successful at anything is that you can do more and that's cool. But one of the things that people don't think about is oftentimes like it doesn't solve all your problems. And, and so, you know, a lot of the people we're talking to as, on wedding film school are new to the industry and we get this comment a lot like um oh if i could only buy this camera someday i'll buy this camera and i'll make great films if only i could get this if only i could get that what about people why do you think people always don't understand that like wherever you are you need to go somewhere else (laughs) wherever you are there's always going to be some challenge you have to face in wedding film. I mean, in life in general, but we'll keep it to wedding filmmaking so we don't make this a two hour long podcast. You know, I, I really think that that's just a kind of human nature thing. You know, it, the, the grass is greener on the other side. Like that's, that's kind of a lot of people's mentality kind of about everything. You know, we think, Oh, as soon as I get this camera, I'll make it. As soon as I do a destination wedding, I'll make it. As soon as I, you know, 
whatever. And I think a, a real problem that I know that, that I have had is, or a big obstacle I have overcome is that I don't need, you know, to buy new gear to be a better filmmaker. Um, someone commented on our stuff on one of our posts recently. And they were like, um, you guys say that camera gear doesn't matter, but obviously does matter because you know, my camera doesn't do 60 frames per second in 4k and yours does. And that's a big jump in. And while I agree with that, um, there is something to being content with what you have and making what you have and growing along the process. Um, something that I have, when it comes to gear, something that I really shifted my mind was to ask myself two questions. One, um, does this piece of new gear help me serve my clients better? And two, does this piece of gear help me on a wedding day? Okay. And if the answer is no to either one of those, I do not need that new piece of gear. Yeah. Maybe this camera that can do 4k raw, let's, I don't know what it is, would make my clients happy. And I think it would, you know, I could deliver something, but does that make my life easier as a filmmaker now that I have to edit 4k raw? Absolutely not. And so, and, and everyone is going to answer those questions in their own way, but that was really what helped remove me from the, um, you know, the gear cycle of always wanting that new thing of always chasing the camera or the lens or the, the whatever. I mean, we, last year we got the C70, but as I've been talking to my wife, she's like, I don't, I mean, we're editing her B cam and she's basically an A shooter too. So we're mixing up C70 footage and C100 footage. And she's like, there, there's not a noticeable difference in what we're delivering. And so she's like, why are we, why do we need to spend all of this money on this new camera when the other ones are still, even though it's a six, seven year old camera are still producing very quality stuff. So I think that's just a personal thing that everyone needs to work through. I feel like I rambled a bunch. Well, you know, one of the questions I always like to throw out internally with us is how will it, um, how does it affect my, not just on the wedding day, but my post-production? Like, mm, because post-production is where the money is lost. People are losing mm -hmm. money in post like crazy. Almost no, we're all shooting the same exact length of a wedding day, pretty much. Nobody's losing money on a wedding day. Not maybe, but mostly people are spending hours and hours and hours. <clears throat> and I think it's so funny that we are so attracted to maybe it's the all sizzle no steak <laughs> like <laughs> type thing is like everybody mm -hmm. wants to do the sexy thing nobody wants to do the disciplined thing and mm -hmm. that's sometimes buying hard drives instead of lenses you know that's sometimes mm -hmm. investing in a 10 gig <laughs> network in your office instead of buying a new camera body like these are the things that will actually improve your scalability improve your profit Absolutely. margins, actually make a difference in your clients. You know what your client will really be pissed about? It won't be when they, oh, there's not enough slow-mo. It's like, oh, all my hard drives crashed and you have no wedding. <laughs> like <laughs> that's what they'll really be ticked about. So mm -hmm. I think that's like goes into one of your number one messages. One of your number one messages on your show is, um, we've talked about it before when we did an interview and, and I think it's, it's a great thing to bring up again, which is this concept of, you know, slow and steady, building your business in a patient way. You know, I, I, it's interesting. I want to hear you guys take on this because my experience was a little different than that, but I, I think over time it ended up being the same. But when I started, 
the first thing I did, and this is just my personality, I was like, I want to do this. Okay, um, I'm going to make wedding films because, like, oh, there's plenty of money here. I can do this. Like, oh, that guy's making it? I could definitely do it. So I just go to the store. Got I had a credit card that they, some for some reason, gave a 24-year-old $10,000 credit limit. <laughs> no idea no idea why i had nothing to deserve it walked in there said uh i want this 7200 i want this uh kit lens and i want this 16 to 35 and a canon 5d mark ii walked out the store i'm a wedding filmmaker overnight like <laughs> i mean i wasn't but we just grabbed the gear i just bought it and then i within the first two three year first year we had paid it all off and everything but is when you talk about slow and steady, like, did I do that right? <laughs> I like I like this question. And before answering, I want to uh, tack on to kind of what Nick was saying on the last question, because I think it, it all comes down to mindset. Mm -hmm. I think that your mindset wasn't like um, with that purchase. Um, it wasn't like, oh, if I could have this gear, I would. It's like, no, I'm going to go. My mindset is I'm going to go kill it and make money doing this business. This is the tools I need. It wasn't like two months later you were like, oh, no, I need the 5D Mark III because uh, it came out and I can't do my job well unless I – like you had a tool in your hand at that point. So I put things – like I did bridal shows on credit cards when I first got going. I remember like doing a bridal show and like handing over a credit card and being <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, like this is the last $1,000 to my name. I have to book a wedding. I have to – and like – but I was all in on this is what I want to do. This is my passion. This is where I want to go through. But a lot of people I think get it backwards. It's similar to like I'll be a, a giving person once I have more money. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you should be a generous and giving person before you have a lot of money. Like that, that's backwards. The the world would kind of mm -hmm. tell you like this. Once you get rich, then you can be a generous person. Or once you have the big weddings, that's when you can. And it's like, nope, you have to have that mindset first. I'm a generous person. I'm going to give something besides maybe a dollar bill before I have a dollar to give. Or I'm going to be, I am a filmmaker before I have the black magic, this camera or the airy this or whatever, you know, gear. It's like your my mindset was. I'm a, a real business. I'm going to take real care of these couples. And they don't know the difference right now between a 5D Mark II and a 5D Mark III. This is what I have in my hand. And I'm going to kill it with this and just get stuff done with this until I have extra to, to upgrade. And then, like again, like how Nick said with the C70, I'm shooting on it. I love it. But I have not had, like... Like people are saying, oh my goodness, like the color is so much better. I like your, like, I know the differences, but they're subtle at this point. And that is not what made me or broke me when it comes to being successful. So to answer your question, I don't think you did it wrong. I, I don't think there's a right, I think it's for each and every person. But if your mindset was, okay, three, three, four months in, now I need 10 grand more of debt so I can, or I'm not going to be a filmmaker, you know, oh, I see John over there with that camera and if I had his camera, I would be, it's a mindset thing. It's, it's backwards. Yeah. And I think at the core, like the actual, I didn't want to like ruin it, but the actual, what I did was said, Oh, here's my break. Even if I, all I need to sell is two weddings. Um, here's the resale value of the camera. Uh, it like, th like yeah. the, the key with everything is like, it's interesting with artists, right? Is like artists are not naturally strategic like in terms no. of like this stuff, <laughs> like, and there's every once in a while you have a few people, but like in general, so 
I guess we talk about this a lot. I'd love to hear from Nick on this because I feel like you've probably experienced a lot of growth in this area. And so what's it like to go from being like maybe a straight up artist and then what's the big shift people need to make to start being a strategic business person? That's a good question. That, 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 that's a really good question. Um, the, the first thing that I would say that has really, really helped um, with that is just investing in um, education and the relationships that I have. Um, specifically from a business standpoint, I know that my relationship with John has been something that has been like a pinnacle in that swing from going, um, you know, from what I was charging and running my business and how I was doing all that to what I am doing now. Um, the first time uh, John and I met, you know, I was shooting with him and it was, uh, I don't know, he had, he had made somewhere in the eight to 10 range for this wedding. And I had just booked a wedding for like, I don't know, around $3,000. And, you know, he told me, he was like, dude, if I could edit and shoot the way that you do, I would be selling that for twelve or $13,000. Like that was the convert. And I was like, I mean, it, it you know, kind of, kind of got me a little bit. I mean, it made me feel nice because he said, Hey, your films look great, but just how you're running your business, something needs to shift and something needs to change. And, um, I remember at that time, this was, you know, beginning of 2018, I was having kind of a lull in bookings. And so I had my, you know, 30, $300 package and I gave him a $500 discount just so I could get a booking. So it was $2,800. And then, you know, fast forward almost a year later and now I'm charging, you know, I booked a wedding for over $5,000. And so, and I attribute that to the relationship that I'm building, uh, that I was building with John. Um, something that I heard, um, you know, it's kind of popped up and, and, you know, for the most part, I think it, it's pretty true is you should only really take advice from people if you are willing to switch lives with them to an extent, right? Like it, 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 it always seems to me like the, the, the people that I would talk to when I was having money trouble or whatever were people that were also in money trouble. And so they were giving me advice on how to, you know, uh, get yeah. out of this situation. And that doesn't make sense. And that's kind of what we seem to do is we have this frame of reference of, well, these are my peers. These are the people that I know instead of seeking out people that are doing what you want to do really well. And so if I would have gone to another, um, you know, artist type person that is like, you know, I, I am not going to sacrifice my work or I'm not going to do this, or I don't care about the money. Like money is a motivator to them. Like I would not be where I am today in my business because their perspective is differently. And I knew, Hey, I'm, I'm full time now. I want to make money from this. So I need to talk with somebody and get encouraged by somebody that takes the business side very seriously. I that was kind of long-winded, but I hopefully that wasn't hopefully long-winded. That that. I'm long-winded. You're you're <laughs> concise. I, you know, I um, I work with a lot of young people, and mm -hmm. and we have 28 people on the team this year, and that's been going on for around 10, 11 years. Who knows how long now? But when I when I meet some kid who says, I don't care about money all i care about is art i know that i'm going to be giving them money for a long time 
because mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. never going to be able to make their own, you know? <laughs> and I think at the end of the day, it's funny because I came from music, right? I toured in bands. I wanted to be a professional musician. That was what I wanted. And that's actually the worst possible way to make money, by the way. <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> but one of the things that, like, I, I just had to break myself of is, like, this, like, oh, you're a sellout. You're a sellout. You're a sellout. Like, this, like, mindset that, like, making decisions based on what is saleable and marketable is somehow bad. And what I've learned over the years is like, I'm still in the game though. So like you can Mm -hmm. say whatever you want about people who are making a living, but they're not working at Starbucks anymore and you are. And so I would say for people out there, like who are listening and are thinking about going full time, um, you know, a lot of times you're going to have to make decisions Cause, cause I have a take on the whole get, pay more, shoot less thing that, that probably that's naturally for much less people than are educated on it in terms of like, people are always told shoot less, get paid more. And I'm like, well, eventually the economics and the supply demand and like the weight, the, the numbers don't work. It's not infinitely scalable that everyone can shoot less and get paid more. But I do think a lot more people can shoot at all and quit their jobs. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there who could be making a living. We're at 60% penetration on couples getting married right now or couples getting married, booking a wedding film, 60%. Mm-hmm. Like wedding photographers are 95%. Like that's not going to go down. Mm-hmm. That's going to go up. Like, and then what happens? Demand goes up and then the floor on the market goes up. You're not going to book a decent wedding photographer for less than $2,500. Like, anywhere in my market probably four five so i look at that and i go there's a lot more to go around for wedding filmmakers so i guess i would say all that to say this this is my take this is the best time ever to become a wedding filmmaker that's my take what do you guys feel about that I wish that I was starting in 2021 instead of 2007. <laughs> I remember what it was. I, I remember what it was like being a wedding, you know, a wedding videographer is what I was yes, called a yes, lot. Yes. Um, the video videographer. Um, oh, we just want you there for the ceremony, and we want a 45 minute film. And like, creativity wasn't even a thing. It was a tripod on wheels and big bright light and nothing creative. Uh, animated graphics that look like they're from The Bachelor with rose petals falling before like a the cursive font that said like the ceremony like twinkled onto the screen and um, and now you you open up you know Instagram and it's just like these incredible epic motion pictures that we can produce and so people now like the twenty somethings have been watching wedding films since they were 10 years old and it's just part of their culture. It's like, when I get married, I want like a killer wedding film like this. When I started in 07, it was like, they were, you know, they were still little bitty kids. And so like that kind of stuff wasn't even here. You couldn't record audio. Well, you know, like there weren't Taz cams or zoom, like there just wasn't that. And you weren't respected either in the chain of wedding filmmaker, like or the chain of wedding vendors. You were like Mm -mm. one wrong, maybe above the DJ. Like my average booking time, like lead out from a wedding was like two weeks before the wedding. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, we were getting married in a couple of weeks. Oh yeah. We need a video for the ceremony. We got $200 or, um, and so that is 
changed significantly. And then there was education. But when I started, like Google was pretty new. So it's like, it's just the internet has made it so much easier to go from zero to 60 so fast. Like the people that we talk to that are like, yeah, I'm only charging 4,000 for my wedding films and I want to get up over five or six, you know? And I'm like, well, how long have you been doing it? And they're like, well, like a year and a half. And I'm like, I didn't charge over $3,000 until like my ninth year yeah. in doing this. And so like now is such a, it's like the tip of the iceberg for this industry more and more. I am getting contacted before a couple even books a date. Now they're like, I want your films. Are you available on this day or this day or this day? Cause we're looking at this venue, but we wanted to make sure you were available first and like, like mind blowing that that would even be a thing. And it's, it's more and more prevalent. Like more and more people are like, well, I have to get a video. It's not just like this luxury that's down at the end of the line. So starting today in a business or being able to go full time has never been easier. And like you said, 60% of, you know, couples are hiring a filmmaker that's 40% of weddings and there are millions of weddings happening around the globe. And so there's so much open blue ocean, you know, if you, if you will, like for that kind of a thing. So you guys are, um, you've done a bunch of educational events. Um, you got another one coming up, um, an online event, like we talked about. And then, you know, so you've learned a lot about kind of just you're doing your mastermind group. There's all these ways because podcasting is education, but it's kind of like this distance education thing where sometimes you're like, is this landing? I don't really know. But then versus like in person, you kind of get the feedback and you kind of know how people are responding. How would you say like educating people on a podcast has really differed from educating people in person or over zoom in person or whatever, like the actual, that kind of environment. I was going to say it's, you know, there have been several times whenever I was listening to educational content or watching YouTube videos. And while the person would talk about the subject that I wanted to learn about, they didn't get like the direct thing, the direct question that I had for them. And so as we, um, you know, have really uh, op- opened our doors and we've done more mentor sessions and we launched our mastermind earlier this year, people are, we're able to connect with them and get, you know, one-on-one time with them in a way so that they can ask us direct questions and we can answer them and help them in a way that, you know, is, is next level. So we're seeing them, you know, we're educating in what we're saying, but then we're getting feedback from them and able to, you know, kind of have that conversation rather than with our podcast or, you know, when we create YouTube content, you know, it's just kind of like you were saying, you know, us talking into a microphone and, you know, kind of hoping that it lands, you know, with them when we don't really know for sure. But with those, especially mentor sessions, when we're like, hey, um, we're we're giving you the keys to the car over this next you know session you ask us whatever we want we want you to get the most out of it so um that's what i would say to that yeah i would add that whenever you like so you're right about like the podcasting thing it's kind of it takes a few months to get feedback like real feedback on you know it's like you're sitting here in a room like i'm in an extra room an office at my house and there's a camera right here and it's me and I'm talking to a computer screen and a few weeks later, this will come out. I'll try to remember what I talked about. And it's, it's a, there's this distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen, you know, like Nick is saying, 
we've probably done what now, Nick, a hundred mentor sessions or so, maybe a um, bunch. I don't know a bunch. Yeah. And so like getting that personal connection over zoom is great. In-person stuff is great. Our mastermind has been unreal um, where we basically we teach a group of 50 members every week, but they are interacting via Zoom back with us. And so um, getting that real time feedback has been huge for us. And just it's still so weird to me, like that people know who we are and we don't know them. And that whole side of things, like when we go to things and people are like, I bought your course, it's changed my life. Thank you. Can I buy you a beer? Can I buy you a, you know, please like, let me, and we're like, it's just a, it's a weird thing. I'm a very extroverted person, but I have become introverted in settings where people know who I am and I don't know who they are, um, <laughs> which is fun. And I'm realizing how small and connected this industry actually is and how cool all these educators and people are like, once you get to know people, it's just like, I think people have this viewpoint of what we are or who we are. And then they meet us and they're like, I thought you were going to be kind of more of like a jerk. I don't know. Or I thought you were going to be like shorter or taller. I don't know what, like, and so just this humanizing side of it has been really cool um, over the last couple of years, like getting to meet some of these people too. Have you guys found that some of the things you thought were landing with people were actually not the questions they were asking? Like, or do you think people are conditioned by what they listen to to ask the question that you've prompted them to? The one, the one thing that comes to my mind, um, there's, there's been a few. Whenever it came to specific podcast episodes, um, whenever we had our friend Max Sadek on talking about like Facebook and Instagram ads, like that was something that we knew would be like a big deal for our industry, but he's been on three times. And I want to say that at least two of not the three of our, our, our top 10 most downloaded episodes of all time, you know, like mm -hmm. that was something that really, um, surprised me in, in a sense that because he was talking about things that were related to the industry, but weren't like specific for wedding filmmakers, we, you, you know what I mean? I, I get you know that. What I mean? And so, and so that was interesting. And then another one that just a couple of times, you know, we have done, um, podcasts, um, you know, where we, like we did one a few weeks ago, whenever John, when the title of his, I just want to quit. And it was just, you know, John talked about the year that he had in 2020 and he opened up and got real vulnerable and real personal. I think that that resonated with a lot of people too, because it was the, the side of business that doesn't get exposed and, and, and shown, you know, very much. And I think that people really, um, appreciate, you know, the openness and the honesty that we, that we want to, to show. So while, and again, and that's another one, while it is part of the business, it's. People are hungry not, for connections, you know? You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They are. They're hungry so, for connections. And like, I think there's like 50,000 people in America who do this job, which is mm -hmm. it's very small. It might be, it's yeah, probably mm -hmm. less full time. I think it's less than 25,000 people who do this job. So you're, we're, everybody is talking to a small group of people and, and chances are just like me, just like you guys, probably you don't know many people who you can relate with. So I think mm -hmm. what, what we're, what you're able to provide by providing that space for vulnerability is like a connection with themselves. You know, that's how they feel. Mm -hmm. That's what they're experiencing. Maybe mm -hmm. not to the exact same way, but I think, I think that's what I've seen. And I, and I have also seen like when you like, what. Well, we, one of our number one downloaded episodes is one about budgeting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, 
you know, we created all these sheets and people download these sheets every week, a budget sheet. They download yep. it because it's like people, you know, that's the vacuum, that's the space. And like, you know, if you're having these questions, I think it's obvious to say to someone like, how can I, how, how do I film weddings? You know? <laughs> and like, well, you take your camera and you take it like that stuff is important. It's obvious. But I, I train enough 18, 19, 20 year old kids to shoot weddings to know that that's not the thing. Mm -hmm. Like it matters. You need to be able to do it at a serviceable level, but like what's going to make you successful or not has more to do with all the intangibles, the hustle, the way you treat people, um, the way you spend your free time and all those things. That is what makes you successful or not. Um, so, so to close out, I wanted to just remind everybody, um, about the workshop and give you guys an, a chance to kind of tell people why they should be investing in continuing education and why this is so important. And why did you guys decide to do this? Well, I would love to take this answer. <laughs> um, I will let you. The fa like I say it all the time, but I love the internet. I love what it allows us to do. Um, and over the last, you know, since 2018, we've made just incredible relationships with all of these brilliant editors, shooters, business people, and like to pull all that together over a two-day period of time where people can log in from the comfort of their home, turn on Do Not Disturb notifications and hear from people like the Film Poets or Jay and Mac or White and Reverie or Blink or like all these different amazing people that inspire us in different ways. Like this is something that we, like it's a, a weird and unique position that Nick and I are in where we have these relationships, we have this audience of people and we're able to bring everybody together like you were talking about, like connect in a way that hasn't been able to be done before. And I think the history of our industry to, to be able to do something like this, but and then bring it to people for a couple hundred dollars, you know, like a, an affordable, easy way to connect, grow, get better and calibrate just like the name of the workshop. We want people after a crazy year and a half, like, I mean, there's so much that's happened all around the globe whether you got shut down or whether you, you had so many reschedules that you can't see your head from your butt right now, like wherever you're at in between there, this is a place for us to get inspired and calibrate and like really refocus where we're going for the rest of this year. But also next year, this wedding boom is incredible. Like so many people are realizing how important it is to get their vendors early and to book. And so with 15 speakers over two days, like there's nothing better that you can invest in in your business that's going to help you grow moving forward. Nick, I said a lot of things. Anything you want to add to that? Um, if you are interested, head over to calibrateworkshop.com. That, that's the yeah. name of the website. How'd you, you guys land that one? <laughs> you didn't have to go calibrate.workshop or something. That's great. No, no. I, I just Nick looked for it. I just looked for it and, and it was no available, one else so. thought about that. That's crazy. I, I guess innovators, I guess true not. innovators, <laughs> calibrateworkshop.com and how to film weddings.com. We got, I mean, how is that? How is that available? SEO, SEO gold. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah well, somebody yeah, has fallen asleep yeah. on the wheel. That's yes. The thing. There you go. So, and you guys, took advantage of that. you guys capitalize. Yes. So, Hey, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. If you enjoyed this, go ahead and do all the YouTube stuff. If you're watching on YouTube, um, drop a review. Um, that really helps a lot. Hit like, do all that stuff. If you made it all this way through, if you listen to an hour long thing, nobody freaking does that on YouTube. So why not just take that extra five seconds of effort and just hit the button. It just helps a lot. So thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you for John and Nick for coming on and we'll see you guys next on the Winning Film School show.